What's up, everybody? It's Chad from Ask Chad Grassy Logic here on episode, I think it's eight. Um, I forgot to change it right here. Um, the title of this is going to be 313 to Empire Cannabis. And are you a ghost? Uh, today, I have uh, my, my friend Devin sitting here with me. He's actually from uh, Empire Cannabis here in Las Cruces. What's and up, everybody? He's going to be telling you guys a little bit about Empire Cannabis. We're going to have some good conversations. He's also going to give you some of his perspectives and everything. You know, maybe not just from working here. He's been in the industry for a long time. But I'm not going to tell you everything about him. I'm going to allow him to uh, tell you about himself. So go ahead. Tell you who you are and who Empire Cannabis is. How's it going, guys? Uh, so my name is Devin Lowther. Uh, I'm the general manager at Empire Cannabis. Um, we're a retail location located at 590 South Telshore or 590 South Solano. Sorry. Um, we're right across the street from uh, Carl's Jr. Um, so um, and right next to the Senior Express. So if you guys are getting some food right there, then you can stop by and see us. Um, we provide a lot of different producers of flour, uh, a lot of different manufacturers. Um, so yeah, we, um, are always looking for good, uh, cannabis products, cannabis and cannabis products to sell and, uh, educate Las Cruces on. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And th that's one component that, you know, I, I really always touch on and I always tell people is education. You know, we yeah. need a lot of education when it comes to cannabis and nationally, most likely internationally. Um, but, you know, nationally, we, we definitely need more education when it comes to the cannabis front. You know, there's so much misconceptions. There's so many lies. The reefer madness stuff is still lingering around. Um, but, you know, with education and with us fighting it, it'll die eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, or it'll go away. I guess you can't say die these days. Um, <laughs> get you yeah. canceled, but yeah. So, so thanks. I appreciate you being on with me and everything. So tell me a little about empire cannabis. Like who are you guys, you know, where'd it come from and everything, the idea. So, uh, empire cannabis, it came from, um, uh, the owner, he, uh, has a few, uh, smoke shops in El Paso and, uh, they wanted to get their foot into the cannabis industry. Um, they interviewed for bud tenders and I, I interviewed with them and then they were like, you know, maybe we can put this together. And I, you know, got a few other, uh, experienced bud tenders, uh, with us and we kind of put together a really good team and now, um, we're doing good, having fun, uh, providing good medicine that nice. we, we got some good stuff in. Uh, shouts out to Matchbox Farms. Shouts out to Animus Cannabis. Um, a lot of really good uh, producers, those guys, and like ma the manufacturers, GH Labs kills it. Um, you know, Assurance Labs. A lot of these these people uh, really um, do a good job of taking care of the small guys like us. Like we're a really small shop, and we don't we'll always order in bulk, um, but. Um, it's always nice whenever we get taken care of just like the big guys, you know what I mean? So, um, and then we also really, we're a small spot, so we try and support as local as possible. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's always good to hear, you know, supporting local. And when we say local guys, you know, cannabis does have to be grown in New Mexico and sold in New Mexico, but there is a lot of MSOs or multi-state operators in the state. So that's what they mean when they say local is you're buying it from someone who is locally owned. They're not from Colorado, Minnesota, you know, Michigan, um, any of that, or, or running it from those states, you know, and having different dispensaries in different states. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, <clears throat> we knew that was going to happen. That was yeah. something that, you know, 
was predicted and we knew it was going to happen. It happened right away. I think we're even getting cookies right up in Albuquerque. Uh, that's I've I've heard cookies is coming to to New Mexico, but I'm I'm not sure on any lo sure location. Yeah, I don't know the location, but, but I think I read it in an article a while back, like it's official. Yeah. Um, but I'm not too sure where um, or what or what. But I do know one of their the shops did close. I think it was in California um, or Oklahoma, and yeah, so that, that's not good. But you know, more on that later. Anyway, let's get back to the Empire Cannabis. You know, we got a little off track. So, how many cultivars do you guys really have of flower over there? Um, right now we have about five different, five or six different producers. Um, uh, a few up in Albuquerque, a few down here. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, we, it, whether that be pre-roll material that we make or the, the flat loose flower that we provide deli style. Yeah. Nice. And you guys have the canagars you were telling me the other day and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so we we are uh, we do have our manufacturing level one, so we do make all our own pre rolls in house, um, and then uh, we'll provide wholesale to to uh, people as well if they need pre rolls. Other uh, retailers, um, and then uh, we make these canagars. Uh, they're right now we're doing two gram canagars. They're just flour because we're just manufacturing level one. Yeah, um, but. You know, you keep it in a mold for a certain amount of time, and um, we keep our. It's a wood skewer that yep. we keep in the center. And once you purchase the product and you're ready to smoke it, you pull that skewer out of the canagar. And there's that hole for that breathability, and it creates like a nice even smoke. But you have that dense, you have that denseness from the the mold. Um, to where it smokes like a cigar. Yeah. Um, so those are pretty nice. People have been liking those. We've been uh, rolling and packing those up. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And being nice. able to uh, provide that from those different um, producers has been a lot of fun too. Oh, I bet. You know, and, you know rolling is, is an art on its own. And so when you, when you get into an aspect like, you know, you're doing canagars and stuff like that. And once you start getting more advanced and it becomes a real art and you're just like you know laid oh, yeah. it out in a perfect way that once it's rolled and you got it wrapped you know you know i see all the guys you know doing it yeah dude and there's <clears throat> there's a lot of really good guys out there um shouts out to cozy yeah. cozy boy um for um headspace alchemy they're doing the the hash holes nice, and yeah. they're doing infused blunts those guys are really killing it out there um and then I know Devil Rolls up in Albuquerque is getting started up with um, Alabastra. So a lot of those specialty joints are hitting the market and they're doing really well because people love like tasting that hash with your flour. It's there's you, it's a real, real treat yeah. for sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I've, had, <clears throat> I've smoked a few in yeah. my time and yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm glad that the industry and community is really, you know, accepting it with open arms you know, yeah. instead of going, you know, straight blunt wrap, you know, cause you know, it's terrible for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like I'm glad that we don't focus on like the industry, it seems is not as open to tobacco. Um, me personally, I, I don't smoke as much. I don't really enjoy tobacco myself. Yeah. Um, I enjoy cannabis more. Um, and we sell hemp wraps and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm a paper guy. Uh, I like just to roll a good joint. If you got good flour, then you can just smoke a good yeah. joint too. 
and, and a real quick, you know, fact, guys, if you don't know, blunts were really used back in the day when we were smoking Reggie and brick weed and stuff like that when it tasted really bad and it just wasn't good weed and the blunt really helped it taste better. These days with cannabis and, you know, and especially with the push of, you know, terpenes and higher percentage of terpenes, there's really no reason to use tobacco, you know, products within your cannabis anymore. And, you know, when people talk about spliffs, when they, you know, roll the joints and they mix a little tobacco in it, you know, they mostly do that in Europe. And there's a reason why they do it. It's not because they like it. It's because cannabis is so expensive over there that it makes it go longer. Um, and that's what I've been told from people over there. You know, it's not something yeah. I assume. This is actually what I've been told. Um, and it's probably just one of several reasons. But let's get back to, you know, Empire Cannabis and everything. I mean, we could talk about all this, this stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, but do you guys have any, like, events planned or anything like that or anything going on? Um, so we're, we're getting ready for 420. We're preparing for a few sales, a few, few flower nice. sales and um, some edible uh, and drink sales, too. So uh, you have to check those out. And yeah. then we're also looking to provide some um, food that day. Okay. Um, so whether that be some burgers or hot dogs cooked out on the grill or um, you some pizzas, um, I I don't know if I'll be grilling uh, <laughs> or if we'll we'll get somebody else out on the grill, but okay. we'll we'll see what happens. If I need to go out there, we'll we'll make it happen. Nice. Sorry, maybe I'll, yeah. maybe I'll swing by. Four twenty yeah. seems like it's gonna be a really busy day. Four twenty, there's gonna be so much happening. Yeah. Um, I know Queen Bee's next door is gonna put on um, a big. Uh, they always do it big, you know what I mean? Yeah, so big or something, we'll, yeah. we'll uh, try and uh, tag in with those guys and just be a part of the community as much as we can. We're, we're a new spot. We just opened up uh, in October. Okay. And um, we're, we're just working on get our, getting our name out there and um, gaining that customer base and also getting, you know, a little bit of recognition in the industry as well. You know what? I actually picked up some cannabis the first time I went, and you weren't there that day. I decided to pick up, see what you guys had, and you know, even the the ten dollar you know cultivars you guys had was you know very tasty, and you know I was you know quite impressed. Even and then I got the higher dollar one, and that was still pretty good. So you know, it's it's great to see that the product is coming around in New Mexico because you know at first it was you know pretty much Oklahoma trash um, everywhere, and <clears throat> that's what we were pretty much running into. But now we're really seeing the New Mexico producers kick in and kind of start putting out and you know we're really seeing what new mexico is capable of so i'm glad that you guys yeah. are highlighting that inside of the shop and i really love the shop too you guys have that smoke shop feel kind of when you come in you know you got the you know the glass and everything because some people they come out of town you know and so yeah. you know, they didn't bring anything with them you know or they, they flew in from some illegal state and they couldn't take it with them so you know that's great that you know you guys provide that like you said you have the hemp wraps and that's so that's great yeah um, what are you guys is hours uh we're open 10 a.m to 10 p.m okay. uh, every single day um yeah touching on what you were you were saying uh we do we're lucky to uh have smoke shops uh linked to us in el paso so they can you know they they're really educated on you know the the cool different things that are coming out the new ooze uh you know bucket and all these things like that so um we're able to have even the new puffcos um we're able to provide the same price as the puffco website Oh, there you um, go. so we have the colored uh, heating dad pens and um, we have the different colorways of the new puffcos. so it's been pretty fun and I I also we also just got in the Carta 2 I had to purchase okay. one myself yeah um, if you guys haven't checked out the Carta 2 it's an excellent dabbing device um, so we have fun with 
uh, the smoking accessories uh, uh, at our shop too. That, you know, that is a good point that you bring up, you know, having that connection to the smoke shops and, you know, the inventory of that. You guys have pretty much the latest of the latest when it comes to right. smoking accessories, and that's a huge perk. So if you guys want that along with your cannabis, go ahead and hit them up. And I mean, the fact that you guys have these vaporizers for the price, you know, is ridiculous because they're expensive as shit. Oh yeah, yeah. man. Well, it's it's hard. Uh, I know that some other places have to purchase a certain amount of puffcos to get, uh, you know, even one of the puffco proxies or things like that of that nature. Um, so by them having a lot of smoke shops in El Paso, if we buy a good amount of uh, puffcos, then it's not going to hurt us as much. Um, and then we can provide those smoking accessories in our dispensary. Nice. Yeah. Cause puff goes, you know, they're, they're pretty much the raw when it comes to the, you know, vaporizer accessories, yeah. but you know, I've tried the Cardas and they're really good. I, you know, I enjoy the Carta. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, some people say it's the wish version of, um, of the smoking accessories, but it's really good. And then, you know, it's, it's a good product. Yeah. You know, it may look a little janky, but you know, I, I don't mind it. You know, it works. Yeah, no, they, they work really well. There's, I mean, I've tried a, a few different ones. The new Dr. Dabber that just came out is awesome too. There you go. Um, so there's a few different ones to check out. Definitely. That, um, that'll vaporize your hash very well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in New Mexico, we've actually gotten some props when it comes to our hash and it makes sense because there's some really good hash when it comes to, you know, even oh, yeah. here in Las Cruces. Oh yeah. Uh, I've had some Las really Cruces. great hash from, you know, some producers of, you know, some, underground guys you know just it's it's really good in the area and you know i'm really proud you know to say that new mexico has some really good hash yeah absolutely um i i know that uh alter ego cultivation just linked up with cruces craft cannabis uh local uh, manufacturing spot yeah. here in cruces that um they're they've done excellent stuff you know what yeah. i mean so um and then even up in albuquerque there's a lot of really good hash hash makers um alabastra and then uh shouts out to the guys uh out at z labs we we carry a few different of their rosins um and then of course um oleo you know yeah. the oleo and flora melts uh sandia botanicals brought uh you know that from down from colorado but it's really good product yeah. too you okay. know what i mean so um but shouts out to the local guys like Z Labs and Cruises Craft Cannabis yeah. and Alabaster and those guys. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, before we move on to the, you know, past the Empire Cannabis and who you guys are and everything, what's your favorite cultivar that you guys have in the shop right now? Um, I would say right now in flower, we have a lot of good strains from Matchbox Farms. And then um, just like overall, Animus Cannabis has been doing a really good job on like just not just their flower production but also their bubble hash and their hash rosins they they do a good job on providing good good product nice yeah, yeah. well if you guys you know are in the area you live in cruces or you're going to be here go ahead and check out empire cannabis see what they got maybe they'll have a smoking accessory you want you know maybe you want that card yeah. <laughs> yeah over the puff or maybe you want the puff coat because you, you get the same price as you do on the internet yeah you just you pay the taxes and not the shipping um, so, you know, there's the perk. You guys don't have to pay the shipping. So I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you for talking about Empire Cannabis. Is there anything you want to say before we move on to the next topic? Um, no, I think, I think that's pretty much it. Um, make sure to stop in and say hi to the guys over there. Um, 
we we have a lot of fun so nice yeah and it's a fun shop it's a really cool shop that we have yeah it is you know i've been in there and yeah it is a real cool shop a little you know for the size of it especially so yeah i love your guys' little sticker mural mural on the front that's pretty cool yes i gotta I, take the ask chad Grassy that's I, I almost forgot to say like if you guys have any uh sticker slaps uh we have a little sticker wall on the front so please bring your stickers by even if it's another dispensary come by bring your sticker we'll we'll uh we'll show it off Show it off, and, and that's the way it is, guys. You know, let's let's work together. You're better together. So you know, there's no yeah. reason that you know, yeah, you know, there's competition, but at the end of the day, we're better off when we work together, and this industry is better off when we work together. So let's move on. Speaking of that, HB three one three passed the house last night, forty two to twenty. Um, that sounds like a regular like football, you know, uh, score or something, but it was forty two votes yes to twenty no. Um, there's a few absent, you know, of course, those others, but you know, it, it passed, you know, pretty well. Um, so far this bill, it's three, one, three is pretty much what's going to change, you know, a lot of the laws and regulations in our, in our cannabis and some of the medical cannabis side too. Um, it's been amended four times so far, which is not bad. A lot of bills and most bills do get amended through, through the whole process way. They don't, I would say never, I, I don't know from my experience, I've never seen a bill stay exactly the same way throughout the whole process and then all the way to the governor's desk you know it's very rare there's usually amendments mistakes or you know suggestions along the way um and there was an, um, two amendments last night that were put into this bill and um i'll talk about one of them in a second um but it's about packaging and, and into children uh, talking about children and everything like that and to me it's just more clarifying but we'll talk about it more um one thing that kind of stuck out to me when they were talking about, because I actually watched the legislative, you know, uh, the House uh, hearing and everything. And, you know, shout out to Jeffrey Castillo for sending that to me and, you know, hit me up, let me know that it was on. Um, he even told me what time they were talking about it because I was a little late. So I got to watch it. And the part of the bill in 313 that allows RLD to have more power, essentially, actually gives them a lot more power than I thought before. So they're going to have... Um, Essentially, I don't know if they have subpoena power. I don't. I didn't see that in the bill, but yeah. they're going to be able to get evidence. You know, like pretty much tell you, you're going to have to give us evidence, this and that. They're going to be able to do searches. Um, they're even going to be able to, you know, work with uh, LEO and you know, really penalize people. And then, from what my understanding was, uh, from what I heard, is that they're working with LEO to kind of get their inspectors because they said they have 15 inspectors, right? And they're working in tandem with LEO so they can get them to that part. Now, I don't know if that means they want them to be law enforcement trained or they're just working closely with law enforcement. Um, I, I rewind, rewound it a couple times and I, I listened to her and I, I still kind of was a little confused what she meant their lawmakers and lawyers. So, you know, that might be the reason why, but I mean, what, what's your kind of thought process on that? I mean, RLD should be able to have some oversight, and, you know, significant, but now it's kind of seems that they have even more oversight than I thought. Yeah. So, um, we did have a guy from the RLD, the, the CCD, the Cannabis yeah. Control Division, come through and, um, you know, checked to make sure that we had certain things. There were a few things that we didn't ha uh, have before, like our visitor login, um, that we did need <clears throat> to make sure that we started um, having people sign up and uh, have a visitor's badge if they went to the back to show product um to do maintenance to do certain things like that um there was also uh certain things like a, a recall um plan so there needs to be a recall plan of action for if they ever find that there's 
uh, product that is, you know, not uh, good to be sold to the general public, then that there needs to be a plan of action for every dispensary for that. Um, so uh, luckily, like you, like you were saying in previous podcasts, uh, they have, they are doing like a grace period right now for these, for a lot of our, uh, the dispensaries, which is nice because the laws are kind of, they're written, uh, you know, the verbiage is kind of weird, you know, it's yeah. hard to understand everything. And there's also a lot of different laws. So in, in making sure that we're doing everything by the book, um, it's nice that they can come in and be like, Hey, you forgot a few things. Um, so we fixed that. We sent that in to them. They said, as long as you send that in to us in a few days, you'll be good. And so we, we got that covered. And um, so it, it's nice that they're giving us a chance to, to do that. But I also think that it is good that they have a little bit of power <clears throat> on their end to really make sure that these dispensaries are held accountable, that they're selling good product. Yeah. Now you've been in the industry for, for how long now? Like quite a well, bit, I've been right? in the industry since about 2018. Okay, uh, I started with Sacred Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember you there. You know, it's, I, I got to meet you and, and Kwame there. You know, who, yeah, soul. I got to meet him there. You know, both you guys and throughout the years, you know, you guys have been cool cats, and you know, they, I'd like to see, I've liked seeing you guys come up and everything in the industry, and it's been yeah. great. You know, so you have a lot of experience. You know, you were around before we even changed, you know, the medical cannabis program to you know a better program, and then later on legalized it. So, what are some things that you've probably seen? I guess, change on the regulatory side. I mean, does the CCD kind of check a little bit more than the DOH did when it comes to the dispensaries? Um, well, I guess in terms of like their presence in Las Cruces, I haven't really seen it as, as much as, you know, you would expect, but yeah. um, that to be said, they, they are, they do see, it's nice that with how many dispensaries there are, they were able to stop by our dispensary yeah. already. And, you know, we've only opened in October. So we've been open, what, 150 days or so. Yeah, yeah. So um, for them to come in and, you know, make sure that that stuff is generally, be, you know, that we're running stuff and we're not selling bad product. Everything is linked to our BioTrack system. Um, I think that that's good because it gives me peace of mind whenever I go out of Las Cruces and I go into Rio Doso or Albuquerque or, you know, out of town and I can get good product because I know that the, the CCD has checked that place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see that in here. That, pros you know, and cons. Yeah, yeah. Pros and cons, there, you know, to everything. But it's good to hear that, you know, they're a little more on it than the DOH was. And I understand the DOH was unmanned like crazy. I mean, they, yeah. they didn't have enough, you know, manpower to start with, which makes sense. I mean, the, the medical program was an interesting time. <laughs> right is really what i'd have to say you know like we, i only saw the doh in the like three and a half years that i was in the medical uh side uh i saw them once whenever i was at sacred really yeah, yeah. so it, it was yeah they weren't very present but um on the other hand of that on the medical side it was very it was handled very professional and so that's i think um what's helped me, you know, the, my experiences with Sacred Garden and my experiences with uh, our Greenleaf and at Seoul, um, just kind of helped me figure out how to provide good product and, and do it in the best way we can possibly. Yeah, yeah definitely, dude. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, thank you for giving me your, your perspective of, you know, like your experiences in the cannabis industry and everything. Sure. I mean, 
I love hearing that because, you know, I've never been a bud tender. You know, I've been the advocate, you know, everything on this side, you know, I've been on the grow side. I've never worked in a dispensary, but I worked retail, you know, most yeah. of my life I worked retail, I even managed, you know, the, one of the tech shops at the NMSU. I was the manager at the tech shop over there for a bit. And so, you know, the retail is retail, you know, be it selling computers or selling cannabis, you know, it's, 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 it's retail and right. you kind of have that same mindset. And so it's great that you have that experience too. you, you know, go to the different shops and having the different experiences with the different companies. So, you know, you kind of have an idea of what to expect when it comes to it, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Well, the, and then there's also just different ways. There's many different ways that we can sell cannabis, right? So there's the, the prepackaged or there's still deli style. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to have your manufacturing level one if you're packaging and repackaging and yeah. things like that. Um, but it's really nice that um, there's many different ways of doing it. And um, there's right or wrong ways for different dispensaries on how to do things you know what yeah. i mean it's cool to be able to experience them in different ways yeah and you know what it's all personal preference at the end of the day um when it comes to you know deli or prepackaged. um if a lot of you don't know I, i've explained this before deli means that you have a big jar you tell them how much you want they take chopsticks or rubber gloves and they put it weigh it and put it in a bag for you and give it to you um and then prepackaged is it's sealed in a prepackaged, and you know it, they don't do anything. They just hand you the bag. Um, so that's what that means. So deli style is essentially like going to Subway and they're just putting everything on the sandwich and giving it to you and handing it. <clears throat> that's, that's the reason why it's called that. There's a big, um, there's a lot of people who don't like it and a lot of people who do. And like I, like I was just saying before, it's just all on to your personal opinion and what you want to do. You know, if that's how you want to do it in your business, by all means, you just have to have your manufacturing license, which personally, I don't feel you should have to have it to do that. But it, there's a way things are and a way things should be. Yeah. You know. So I mean with with that we we wanted to do deli style and we took that as well if we have our manufacturing level one then we can at least still make our own pre-rolls. Yeah. You um and then that way, you know, you're still able to cover more bases and and you're able to provide a product that you're like, hey, we rolled this. What it's cool whenever the bud tenders get to say that they rolled it and and uh you know customers really like that personal ability too sometimes. Do you guys sell a lot of pre-rolls? I hear a lot of places, you know, like they sell a crap ton of pre-rolls. Yeah. So we have, we have our, you know, our half gram, our full gram, then we have our six pack and then we have our canagars. We also provide, um, the, the hash holes from, um, from Headspace Alchemy and Z labs. And then also the infused blunts from Headspace. Oh, nice. I know we got off topic and back to you guys, but you know, I just wanted to ask that question because you know, yeah, knows, you know, like I, that I we do a lot of pre rolls. People like the convenience, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's nice to be able to just have it ready, ready to smoke them. So, yeah, it is. And yeah. when you're done, you know, most of them are made out of hemp and natural paper. You just throw it under a rock or, you know, bury it and it decomposes, you know, mm -hmm. it turns into compost. So, anyway, we'll get back to 313. We got off on a huge tangent. There was just a lot of, you know, conversation. I really wanted to hear his take, you know, with his um, experience within the cannabis issue because I've never heard it before. I've just only known from him and I, you know, talking to each other when I get into the shop. So it was, I, it was my first time actually hearing that. So let's get back to HB313. Um, it looked like the 2000 plants thing is, is going to stay. And one of the legislators did have a question, but he just questioned it. She answered it and that was about it. You know, I think he just wanted clarification. And, and what it is, is they get one tenth of what the big producers get. And the big producers get 20,000 plants at the max. And so micro producers will get one tenth of that, which adds up to about 2000. And uh, talking to Jeffrey yesterday, come to find out that actually came the idea of that. And the reason 
and he's thinking, and you know, kind of me too, we weren't told this, but after my show, he was like, that's a great idea. He made a post and I guess a couple other guys, you know, came up with the formula to, you know, make it do one tenth of what they get, which comes out to 2000. And then he, I guess, wrote his, wrote his uh, representative, which I've told you guys to do several times and it got put into the bill. So just like that, out of two people, um, that got changed. So like I said, guys, all it takes is two people for it to become constituents. And so <clears throat> we got 2,000 plants because two people said something, you know, and, and it just happened to be deal. me and someone else, you know. Yeah. So that's just a prime example of how quickly and how well this system can work if we do it right and we speak up. So um, the 2,000 plants, I think that's great for the microproducers. You know, it makes them a little more competitive. I mean, it's nowhere close to the 20,000 that the big guys get. Like, you know, let's be honest, they're not going to catch up to it. But they're a little more competitive in the industry in general. You know, they can put out more plants. They can put out more cultivars, different ones. And they can, you know, experiment a little bit, you know, with stuff. So it's going to be great to see what they can do if this bill passes. We only have like nine days left in legislature um, till the end of it. This just passed the House. It has the whole ass Senate to go through. That means all of the Senate committees and then finally the Senate floor. Um, as long as it passes all of that, um, the governor has time to sign it um after everything ends she has time to sign it so as long as we're good before the end of it um we won't have to go in a special session or anything and i don't think they need to go in a special session i kind of feel that it'll get through i mean what is your you know thoughts on the 2000 plants um i think it gives them a little bit more competition i yeah. think it's good you know um if they're really a really good grower and they have that gives them a little bit more competition and then once if if they're able to save a little bit more money and get, you know, a bigger license, more licenses, yeah. um, then so be it. You yeah. know what I mean? And then better growers, um, the, the more we have better growers, the more better cannabis we have. And then that provides for the opportunity for better education. And it's just a good, good circle. No, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, the, the guy that's grown in the closet that maybe been grown for years and just doesn't have all the funds and he still wants to start in a micro. Right. This is a great start for him. Yeah. And he can go up. I mean, they. I think one of the other amendments they were talking about pretty much the process of going from micro to a integrated producer. And so that yeah. was one of the things is, you know, it, it's like a starting point. You know, some people may stay there, you know, and be happy there. Yeah. But, you know, the, the point of it is a starting point to, to move up. And I like it because a really good producer, the 2000 plants. Well, if he's killing it, he's kicking ass. He has really great cannabis, 3% terps. And then he decides to go and get an integrated license to start growing 20,000 of them plants. Now keep in mind, it's a big difference when you go from 2000 plants to 20,000 plants. So it maybe could be a, a little whole bit of a different location. Yeah. Different location. They're going to be upgraded. So it's just great that that person has that opportunity to say, okay, now I'm ready for 20,000 plants and I'm ready to provide New Mexico with as much cannabis as they need of mine because it's good. And that's what I want to see. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the system working. And then this is just something to help them along the way. So keep in mind, guys, again, this is just going through legislature. Nothing has been signed, nothing has been passed yet. It just passed the house. And when I say passed, I mean like passed all of legislature. It did pass the house, which is good. It just has that last thing. One thing I want you guys to keep in mind, and a lot of people actually don't know, and I didn't know this till it actually happened. If the governor vetoes a bill and they don't put um, a reasoning why they vetoed the bill, that bill becomes law automatically. And that happened when, um, excuse me, when um, Martinez was in office. 
she didn't um, give a reasoning for a couple of bills that she vetoed. And one of them happened to be the internet expansion bill for New Mexico. And she was going to veto it. Well, she didn't put a reason why, and it became law. So we got better internet because she messed up. And so sometimes that works for us, but keep in mind that she has to put a reason why she's vetoing it. I don't see a reason why she would veto this bill, but if it does mess up, there's still a chance, slim chance that it does become law. It's happened and it's happened in recent years. Um, so just keep that in mind. And it's a good fact for, you know, New Mexicans to know, to know because it's kind of a weird law. You know what I mean? It's not, not something that you hear everywhere. Um, so just keep that in mind, a little fun fact. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on is there was an amendment to this bill. There's a couple of amendments. Like I said, it was amended four times so far. Um, they don't have the amended bill up yet, but they had the amendment. And I only got one. It's the amendment number two. And really what they were doing is just clarifying um, when it comes to children and packaging. Um, one of the things I guess they want is it, they want it to be opaque, I guess, the packaging. I couldn't really find the line that they were talking about. I may have been looking at the wrong version of the bill. Um, they want it to be opaque, you know, pretty much see-through. And then they want, um, they don't want, this is kind of funny because of what's in here. So I'm just going to read it verbatim what it says. Um, insert and shall not mimic the brand, design, name, logo, or colorway of a non-cannabis consumer product that has been traditionally marketed to children. So Legos, like if you make a gummy and it looks like a Lego brick, you can't do that. Um, packages and labels shall not use cartoons or symbols, symbols or images, including images of celebrities, celebrity likeness, that are commonly used to market to minors. So don't use the guy from Blue's Clues to sell your shit. Um, that's pretty much what that means. And then also one thing I, I like to always think about, and it's funny, is the Mike Tyson ears, the little gummies. Right. Um, you can't do that, guys. Um, like I said, there's probably going to be a bunch of dicks, and you know I'm going to stick to that. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. You know, This is going to change a lot of things. People are probably just going to get you know lazy and just go straight to squares, which, I mean, I don't mind. The gummy's a gummy. It doesn't really right. matter the shape. It still gets you fucked up. Yeah, I think with the molds, you you I've mostly seen like the squares yeah. for, the, for the gummies and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's simple. I um, care more about the flavor of the gummy. Versus the shape. And the effectiveness. Yeah, me so. too. Yeah, that, and I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, like I said, I've seen mostly squares too. I mean. Maybe we'll see circles now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, this is really just clarifying just to make sure that people are, you know, going to follow the law and not, you know, try to do something that, you know, adheres to children or children are going to, you know, mistaken as a child product of, you know, regular gummies and then they get too high. Um, so it's a real issue. But as I said before in prior episodes, one of the ways that we can curb this issue is parents, parents, parenting. If you guys parent and know what's going on with your kids or you lock your cannabis away, a lot of these issues will cease to happen. Um, but until then, we have the safety warnings and the warning signs. So with that being said, that is it for 313. We're actually going to move on to one of the other topics. And this is something that I've kind of seen in the industry for a long time. And, you know, we were talking before, you know, the show and everything, and you're kind of giving me examples of what, you know, you've experienced kind of what you've done. And I'll give you an opportunity to, to let people know yeah. but ghosting in the industry. This isn't Tinder. Um, so what I mean by ghosting in the industry, it's not, I sent an email and, you know, I'm asking, you know, this company if they're interested in some product and they never get back to me. What I mean is you're in contact with another company, another business, two businesses talking, you know, the guy's trying to sell you something and, you know, you're just, you're really hesitant to tell them no. Um, and you kind of lead them on you know, like for months, you know, say like six months, you know, like, oh, let me get back to you later. You know I mean? Let me think about it. Uh, let me think about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
or, or you call him, you know, one day and kind of mislead him, making you think, you know, whatever, you know, and you're looking for something else. Just be upfront with people, you know, if transparent. Yeah, just yeah. be very transparent. You know, this is business, you know, and they'll understand. Whenever you're going in that situation, in your mind, you're thinking that they're going to say no to start with. So you're thinking of things of ways to say yeah for them to say yes. So if so that's why when people make a pitch and like it's like the first sentence and the person says yes, they get shocked because they weren't expecting the person to say yes. They were thinking of okay, they're probably gonna say no to this, so I'm gonna give them this reason, and then this reason, this reason. So that's why it's it's so funny when people go, oh yeah, I'll do it, and they're just like ah, dumbfounded because you know you're not ready for that. So just let people know they're ready for the no. And it's a professional thing, you know, and it's, and it's just a, a personal thing too, you know, and in your personal relationships, you have to deal with these people regardless. So that's what I mean when, when it comes to ghosting, you know, you're in contact with another business and then you just decide to seize contact or lead them on to make them think that you will do business in some future. Just don't waste anybody's time. You don't want your time wasted. Don't waste theirs. And I mean, Devin, you had a, you know, some really good stories and some examples yourself. I mean, you yeah, I, I just, I think that, uh, in, it's good to be transparent, like you were saying. And, um, you know, in my experience, I, I, I know that it's really hard for whenever somebody comes in and like, they're like, Hey, you want to buy this weed? Like everybody wants to buy weed. Like, so it's hard <laughs> for me to like, as a purchasing manager, if, if somebody comes in and they're like, Hey, you want to buy this? Of course I want to buy this. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but we also have like, we're a business. And so like, uh, we only have a certain amount of uh, budget to to get the products that we have, and so I don't have a, a, the world's budget to to get all everybody's product. So that's that's where it is key to be transparent. And sometimes I'll let I'll let uh you know I've let producers or manufacturers know, hey, contact me in a month or contact me in two months um, because. I'm just, I don't have that, that budget ready yet, yeah, but yeah. that's uh, another thing is I, I am one on not wanting to burn bridges, but it's good to be transparent and saying, Hey, I can't get this product right now, but in the future, hopefully we'll be in contact soon. And then that way they know, or you can give them a date. Hey, contact me in a month, yeah. a month and a half. And then that way I can have a budget ready for you. And then we can start doing business. If not, or say, hey, I don't think that that's a, a product that uh, is going to sit well on my shelves just compared to even say I have a, a product that is at this price. For those reasons, I can't provide provide your product. Yeah, that, that always helps. Yeah. And then, you know, if it's if it's a price point issue and you, you know, communicate that with them they might work with negotiation yeah, yeah. They, they might negotiate so right you might be missing out on deals that you don't even know about by doing this to people just by not being honest you know if you are interested and it's just not the right price point let them know like you know what man i, I love your product but this just isn't in my budget for me and either they're gonna say okay cool you know uh, i tried you know I'm, i'll go somewhere else they'll, you know they'll pay me what i want or they're gonna work with you and say, okay, you know, I can work with you. you. Know what can you afford? You know, because a lot of people will. You know, they will work with you for the most part. Um, some people they're stuck on the price. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's I, I've seen a few people stuck on the price, but for the most part, you know, they'll work with you in in some aspect. I mean, the, the industry's so new, and there's so many growers out there trying to get their name out that you know a lot of the times they will. Well, yeah, it's it's crazy too because 
just how the the industry changes in pricing to mm-hmm. um, growers, manufacturers. Well, compared to from like, April last year, like how much has the pound dropped? Oh man, that's <laughs> a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Probably, you know, it's almost half of what it was. You know, you know, some in terms of the the same quality of bud was probably sold almost twice as much. Uh, you know, yeah. back in April because yeah. of the demand and the lack of people. Now there's so much more producers, right? There's yeah. so much more butter available, especially after I think the main thing that changed the price of bud or like the expected price of a pound is uh, October, October. Really? Yep. It it totally changed everything. I think, um, and I think that we'll we'll see that next year too yeah oh yeah and you know what I, josh and i actually made the prediction last year that the price that we saw april of last year will never ever be seen in the state ever again that price you saw that you guys got and everyone was happy about you know the businesses we're never going to see it again so you know it's great that you know some people capitalized you know when it was at its peak but after that peak it was just going to go down because the supply was going to go up. I mean, in yeah. the state, you know, we're going to get more product. And come Croptober, and I knew that was going to happen, after we cropped out, it was going to drop. And yeah. like clockwork, it did. Um, and it might be, I don't know, is it, is it somewhere around $2,000 a pound, maybe $1,500 a pound right now? Yeah, I mean, it just depends if, you know, anywhere from 1200 to 2000 a pound, okay. um, you know, is, is kind of like around where, where flour is at right now. Yeah, yeah, because it, it depends was, on what you're purchasing. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know who it is and all that. Because yeah, I mean, last year, you know, sitting four or five thousand dollars a pound sometimes. Right. You know, like you know, if you're lucky, you'd get three, two, twenty five hundred. Right. Um, if you're lucky, and and so you know, they, don't get me wrong. You know, we ran across that a couple of times with the company I was working with, and we got really lucky in that aspect. But you know, I kept seeing the five thousand dollar pounds. You know, like easy, right. You know, like all day and. It's not, it, that's not going to be the case anymore. And that's just because of, you know, um, people getting more, but we're getting off topic of the ghosting. It just kind of goes into it because, you know, there's just so much more product. Now you guys are going to be approached by more people who are growing and more companies and businesses. So yeah. it's best now to have a good practice of communication business wise, um, than to try to figure out later, because this isn't Tinder, you know, it's not the dating scene where you just ghost somebody and you don't hear from them again you know, and maybe you'll see them at the bar and it's awkward in the cannabis industry. You're going to see them again. You know, like right. it's just not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And so it's better to have a professional, professional way of doing things now than to try to figure it out once you burn bridges. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. You, you don't want, you don't want to burn bridges. No, 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 no one wants to burn bridges, especially in the cannabis Nobody industry. Wants. It's such a small industry, especially in New Mexico. We only have right. 2 million people in our state. Yeah. You know, and then the cannabis industry is even smaller. So, you know, keep that in mind, guys, when you come here. You know, New Mexico is a total different place. So, yeah, just don't waste anybody's time. I really wanted to bring this up because, you know, I've, I've heard it a few times, you know, like people, you know, kind of like, yeah, you know, what's up with people just not telling me they're not interested? And I kind of figured that it'd be a good time to, you know, bring that up. And, you know, if you guys are having a hard time, you know, maybe telling people no, well, this is a good opportunity to understand that they're understanding if you say no, they're actually probably expecting a no. Um, it's just the belly of the beast. There's a way things are and a way things should be. And so I think our industry will be better 
if we kind of work together and be honest with each other, you know, like, you know, just be honest, say, you know what, either this product isn't for my shop, the price point isn't there, I can't afford it right now, whatever, just let them know. Um, so, but anyway, getting on a, you know, a little makes the industry there. better. It does. Yeah. It makes the industry better and, you know, better together, you know, yeah. we're all better together and, you know, maybe it's not good for that, for your shop, but maybe, you know, somebody who it is, you know, like, yeah. you know what, this isn't for me, or maybe, you know, I have too much right now, but my buddy that has a shop downtown over here, he actually needs some right now. So, you know, if you go over yeah. there right now, he'll take everything you have. So, you know, you could have opened up another avenue for that guy. Who knows? Maybe that guy will give you a small percentage of that. Who knows? You know, there's always a business within the business. So, guys, um, that's it for ghosting. Don't do it because you could be screwing your business over and you could be screwing the industry over. So, um, got anything on that? No? All right. So, we're going to move on to the last thing, guys. It's kind of long, but it's for a reason. So, Oklahoma um, voted yesterday. And it was a special election. They actually removed this question from the November election to yesterday. So it had like its own special election. And I think that's one reason of several of why it failed. And so Oklahoma had a ballot question essentially because they can do, um, and we can't hear, that's why I'm saying this because it's, you know, so alien to me. Um, they can do like, you know, a ballot question. They can go and uh, petition and get something put on a ballot and, you know, it's initiative. We don't have that in New Mexico unless it's a constitutional amendment. And even then, it's still kind of weird or wonky. We, we don't have the same process that they do. They just pretty much go with the legislator. I think that's the process. We don't have it here, so I'm not too sure. Um, they get it written. They go and get a bunch of signatures, and then it gets put on the ballot, and they vote. So there's really no legislature involved in, in the process. So that's what they did here in Oklahoma. And, and I'm telling you guys this because we're all from New Mexico, and this is not the process we have. If you're a transplant, and uh, I'm just – you know, babbling on some stuff you already know, just, you know, just skip over the video or something in a couple of minutes. Um, anyway, so that's what they did. It was a voter initiative. However, the voters struck it down. No, it was like 60% said no, I think is what it was. And that was, that's pretty alarming for the fact that most states these days that do have um, a ballot, it either passes or it fails very close. And that wasn't even close, like yeah. not even a hair close. And so the voters struck it down and you can give your, your opinion or whatever you want, but I'm telling you guys, I try to keep on biased, but my opinion and from my experience of, you know, looking at Oklahoma through the years is that they have a medical program that's kind of unhinged. You know, it's, it's literally the wild west in Oklahoma. There's no plant counts. Um, there's no limit on licenses and there's a lot of illegal grows. Um, when I was in Oklahoma, just for the few days I was there, I, I saw an illegal grow for myself. You know, I went, I was with one of my buddies and went to his cousin's house and just passed his little farm that he had. The next one was an illegal farm. And he told us, he's like, yeah, it's a legal farm over there. It's, you know, probably the, you know, the Chinese people. Cause I guess a bunch of Chinese people moved in, um, and started growing illegally to sell it. And so, you know, that's the belly of the beast. I think it's happened here in New Mexico too, a couple of times. And I think that's one reason why the voters said no is because their medical cannabis program is so out of hand so much that they're one of the reasons why we didn't run out of cannabis last year <laughs> when we opened up in April 1st, because, you know, we've had an illegal cannabis issue in our market. Um, they're one of the reasons why, because a lot of their cannabis came here into other states around the nation. Um, they supply a lot of the nation's black market cannabis because there's so much cannabis there. They literally have hundreds of acres of cannabis just growing. And when you go to a manufacturer there, they don't ask you for pounds. They ask you for tons. Dang. And when you, when you put that in that perspective, 
it just gives you an idea of how much cannabis is really being grown out there because I don't think people really have an idea or understand how crazy that program yeah. really is and how crazy it is. Cause in New Mexico, yeah, we don't have a limit on licenses and we have a high plant count, but we have like no water here. Right. So, you know, like we have something that's naturally stopping people from us becoming an Oklahoma is we have no water. Right. Oklahoma, they have so much water. They can just probably give us some, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that's really going to happen. I'm just saying they have a lot of freaking water. And, um, one thing I want to also you guys to keep in mind is not every initiative or every bill that is for legalization of cannabis is a good bill for legalization of cannabis. Sometimes these bills have stuff in them that, you know, will hurt the cannabis industry or just make it harder or, you know, it's just ridiculous. Like at one point here in New Mexico, they wanted us um, to continue the PPL or personal production license when it went wreck, meaning that if you wanted to grow at home, you'd have to apply for it and then wait. And then have these crazy restrictions instead of just being able to grow it. Like you can grow tobacco in your backyard, but you know, cannabis, what the heck? So now that's different. You know, they, they decided not to go with that bill entirely. And we got something that we like. Maybe that's what's happening in Oklahoma. I mean, what, what's your what's your thoughts on this? I just want to give everybody the idea of what's going on first. Um, I I think that just like we were talking about with the with the CCD getting, you know, cracking down, I think it's important to have a cannabis control division. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think that there's, you know, there's pros and cons to having plant count limits. You know yeah. what I mean? Because while, um, you know, if there's no limit on the plant count, then, you know, anybody, whether or not they have a small license or, or not, they're going to be able to do that. And I think with the way that, we've set up the way that new mexico has set up the the program that the state is able to get a little bit more out of it yeah i think yeah, um I think so. so that's that's how from what i see on it is if you're you're not as much regulating it um i think that there's pros and cons like i'm sure like you know that the price of everything there is going to be cheaper because of that lack of plant count limit. So that's always good for the consumer and the consumer's eyes, but always what about the worker? What about the growers? What yeah. about, you know, um, the whole economy of it, yeah. you know? So. And in Oklahoma, you know, they play a volume game. You know, they, if you get $500 per pound for the plant outdoors and you have hundreds of acres you're still winning. Right. Know? Even though you're losing, you're still winning. Right. You know, yeah. People are like, oh, yeah, it's a one pound plant. Ha ha ha. Yeah, he's getting $500 for it, but he has hundreds of acres of it. So he's playing the volume game. Right. And that's what a lot of those guys are doing is they're playing that huge volume game. And that makes sense. You know, when you do the math, it well, makes sense. Well, if there's no plant count limit, I think that that also, like, th if you, then you're going to be incentivized to play volume over mm -hmm. quantity over quality right exactly and so with the with the two thousand plant count limit you know it gives the the small growers a little bit more chance to get those genetics refined to get better uh clones to get better seeds to that they know that those genetics are going to be really provide good it, good it becomes more of them. a even playing field yeah you know, like oklahoma the playing field is crazy, yeah. you know, like it's, and you know, it's clicky there, you know, like New Mexico, we're very clicky 
And, and that could be another reason why, you know, some people had issues, you know, doing business there and shutting down because, you know, looking at websites, I mean, there was literal huge cannabis farms for sale, whole ones. I mean, there's a couple here in New Mexico I've seen, but for the most part, um, Oklahoma, I've seen a lot of farms for sale, you know, just yeah. straight up cannabis farms ready to go because people just didn't know either how to grow. They didn't do it right. You know, they're in over the head, you know, whatever it may be. And that's, it's in every state. So I kind of feel that Oklahoma not passing cannabis was several things that just weighed too much and just added to them saying no. Yeah. And I think that the, the biggest one is that they removed it from the November ballot to yesterday, you know, and the beginning of March, you know, when people just aren't in awareness of it. Cause I mean, even if you are a pro cannabis person, you're probably not going to vote in March randomly, you know, like you're not going to yeah, go out of your way on, on a random Tuesday to go vote, you know, when you got other stuff going on, you know, you're already well, you're less aware of, of voting happening around. Those exactly. Times, and right. I think they were kind of hoping for that too. Whoever was against cannabis legalizing, I'm not sure who it is in, in Oklahoma. Um, but this just, it shows you guys what smart legalization is and can be. And if you do it right or wrong. Now, if you do it wrong, you can still make a lot of money in your state, but you create other issues for other states around you. Um, like here, a lot of that cannabis was coming here, unregulated, untested. Um, some of it was, you know, black market, you know, from an illegal grow. So we had that issue. And, you know, the other issue that you create is the federal government. You know, the federal government doesn't like when cannabis goes to other states. They, they kind of hate that. So no. that also gives the whole industry a black eye. And don't get me wrong. I love people having access. I love the fact that you know, Oklahoma is like, hell yeah, freedom, let's do this. But, you know, it caused it caused a lot of issues. And now the repercut, repercussion is that they probably won't have recreational cannabis for about a good four or five years um, because of this, because they're going to first have to get this medical program uh, in check. And once they get that in check, then I think it's going to take a couple of years for them to refine it to kind of figure out where they're going to go on the rec side. So yeah, it, it was good for them at the beginning, but I kind of feel like it's kicking them in the ass now. You know, they're behind. Yeah, there's, well, I, yeah, like you said, an even playing field in terms of licenses, there should be, there should be that plant count that way, you know, everybody is held to that, that accountability. And I think the, I think that the most important thing is a track and trace system. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I think that, uh, us having that and having the CCD, come in and make sure that uh, stuff is uh, in BioTrack or in your POS system that you're using. I think that that's super important and that keeps everybody accountable. It keeps manufacturers accountable and, and everything like that. You True. Know I mean? and, so. and they're paying more attention to it, you know, closely, which is good because, you know, that is the seed to sale tracking system. And the state is actually thinking about coming up with their own. Um, which is not alarming, but it tells you the fact that the software that we're using now just isn't cutting it. And there's something wrong with it that even they see needs to change. Will it be better? I have no fucking clue. I hope it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, th I think you can always just hope for the best. Yeah. yeah. Hope for the best, expect for the worst. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, guys, um, that is it for this week's show. Um, I'm sorry to Oklahoma. You guys didn't pass cannabis, but you know, 
maybe once that uh, recreate, once the medical program, you know, gets under check and everything, you guys can try it again. Or who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, and next year they'll have a stellar freaking bill and you know initiative, and they'll come out and kick ass, and I'll be 100% wrong. I hope I'm wrong, actually. So if everybody dude, was just at home smoking the excess bud that they have, <laughs> not voting. Yeah, yeah, everyone was like just voting. Like, oh, we're supposed like, to vote. We yeah, have, shit. <laughs> who cares about voting? Look at. Our freezer full of bud. Right. <laughs> so. But we already have weed. What do you yeah, need? Right. Yeah. So those people with that mindset too. So like I said, guys, that was my opinion or our opinion on, you know, the reason why I've spoken to some people from Oklahoma and that's the reason why I came up with some of the things I did um, because their concerns um, kind of reflected what I was thinking. Uh, so if you guys are curious about it, Google it. It's on the internet all over the place. I mean, I can't even scroll Instagram without seeing it on high times. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this week's show. Devin, thank you again, brother, for showing up. Heck yeah. Thank you for having here. It was a great Absolutely. conversation. Can't wait to have you guys again. And, and yeah. if you guys are in town, check out Empire Cannabis. Yeah. Um, new kids on the block. But uh hope you guys stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank All you, right, man. Guys. Well, shoots.